This episode is brought to you by The Athlete's Foot. Welcome to The Wrap, a weekly podcast covering women's sports news. Bez, what have we got around the grounds this week? The Diamonds are the champions of the world. Amazing. How good. Google starts to correct the internet and Dana Tarazi becomes the first WNBA player to score 10,000 points. So cool. At what, 41 years old is yeah, she? Yeah, 41. So good. Also, I think the 42 points she scored, we're skipping ahead, 42 points she scored in the match was her highest ever, like, score in regular time. I love that. Amazing. She's a boss. For the key story, we'll discuss the research demonstrating that males are earning up to 24 times more in sponsorship and endorsements than female athletes, as well as 21 times more playing salary on average than women athletes. I can't the numbers, cope with that. The numbers make it. The numbers make what you already intrinsically know bring a little bit of vomit into the mouth. Yeah, it's one of those kind of stats. And I will say it's incredible research by Wasserman that they've done. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, it's either that or Wasserman. Wasserman, German. <laughs> Some of the numbers that have come out in conjunction in that same bit of research about what female athletes can do in terms of engagement with brands is really positive. So we will include that in our discussion too. It is officially today, Tuesday, we're recording on Monday, but Tuesday one week till the book is out on shelves. Crazy. Girls don't play sport. I like that you've just put in here, talk about book. It's in there because I keep forgetting to do it and so I have to write a note to talk about the book. You should be constantly talking about the book. It is an amazing book. It is full of facts and stories that really link well together and help shape a really informative discussion around, I think, not only your experience but probably a lot of female athletes' experiences. And if you haven't pre-ordered it yet, what are you doing? Question, <laughs> question mark. Question mark. The link's in the bio. Get on the pre-order and it'll be in your hands in about a week. That's insane. I can't wait to see it on a shelf. How good. Let's take a look around the grounds. In netball, the Diamonds are champions of the world. The Aussies won their 12th world champs title early on Monday morning and in the process completed the set of three major trophies in the cabinet. The World Champs title now sits alongside the Com Games Gold Medal and the Constellation Cup Trophy, back where they all belong. The Diamonds said prior to the tournament that they had unfinished business and after going down to England in the prelim matches, there were some concerns that the business might stay that way. But this team knows how to win the big ones, pulling out a dominant performance in the final to beat England 61-45. to It was England's first World Cup final appearance. I think the last three or four Finals have all been trans-Tasman battles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was, the, it was the Poms' first World Cup final appearance and they'd struggled to score under what was a suffocating Diamonds defensive effort. The Diamonds led 27-23 at halftime, so it was pretty close going into the main break, but the third quarter saw the Aussies pull away, going into the fourth quarter up by 10 goals. Courtney Bruce was, again, huge in defence, Bez and shut down the dangerous shooting pair of Helen Housby and Eleanor Cardwell. Kira Austin claimed the MVP award in the decider, scoring 15 goals at 88%. Crosscode AFLW player and netball star Ash Brazel announced before the tournament that she would be hanging up the bib. That's good. Is that what they say? Or did you make that up? I made it. Well, what I was reading, they said the netball dress, but I like the bib. I like that. I it's like a the bib. bib. Yeah. I mean, they don't really wear bibs anymore, do they? They just stick it onto their they Velcro. They Velcro their <laughs> hanging <position> up the <laughs> Velcro. <laughs> Um, she'd be hanging up the bib at the conclusion of the Diamonds campaign and after the year she's had 
With the Collingwood Magpie's demise, it was understandable to see her showing some serious emotions. Brazel was seen celebrating with time left on the clock and another centre passed to be made. And she told the ABC at full time, I got all my tears out in the anthem, so I was able to hold it together at that final whistle. But turning to my left and my right with two minutes to go, I saw Joe Weston was crying and I've realised we've got this. She was fully having a little party on the on the court. Amazing. It was I great. think well deserved. Yeah. She said to celebrate as a team when the game is still going is probably not professional, but you can't hide those emotions. To go out like that smiling, I'm happy to concede that preliminary match to England if it means we won this one. Tonight there will be big celebrations. I think it's going to be a really fun time. I just want to see my family, hug my kids and spend time with them because if it wasn't for my parents, my brother and my wife, I wouldn't be here today. Cool acknowledgement. And also she looked like she was having a great time. I saw in a social, she was on people's shoulders, like biting the metal, sunglasses hat on in the middle of the bar. Like she was having a great night celebrating. Oof. So it's about 2 p.m. They're probably, what, eight hours into it? I reckon they're still going for sure. Absolutely. Unfortunately, there has been some disappointing news out of the world champs in South Africa with some ticketing issues causing drama pretty much throughout the tournament. Some Australian fans who paid for premium travel packages that included tickets have arrived to matches without guaranteed tickets. And they've there have been some instances where fans were moved multiple times once they were in the venue. I'm like, oh, nope, sorry, not your seat. That is just not good. Oof. I think part of the issue was they played in a convention centre which doesn't normally have seats in it. So right. they brought they brought in all of the, um, I guess, scaffolding and seats mm. and whatnot. And so I think the actual numbering was maybe not – the numbering of the seats they sold might not have actually correlated to what ended up being in the convention centre. It's, That's a bit bizarre. It sounded Someone a bit, needs- like, bit like a cluster, you know what. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there was – the local ticket provider's company was called Plankton and they've been pretty cryptic in their response to the criticism – when questioned about the gold medal match being oversold, oversold, so there was real concerns that the gold medal match was severely oversold. Um, they said before the match that was, the match was sold out but not oversold. It looked pretty full, so hopefully everyone that bought a ticket got in. You'd hope so. Yeah, so the uncertainty over ticket allocations as well as claims that the ticket prices were way too steep for local fans has cast an unfortunate shadow over what was an excellently competitive tournament. So the prices for gold tickets for the finals were approximately 250 Aussie per adult. That's too much. That's way too much. With regular tickets, so you, not your gold tickets, costing 130 for adults and $70 for children. It, the, children should never, well, the children don't pay themselves, but people should never have to pay $70 for a kid to watch sport. Depends how much pocket money you're getting, I guess. <laughs> how well behaved you are. So, yeah, I think an amazing tournament, but just, yeah, really a lesson in ticketing an organisation and how important it is. And we're probably seeing the flip side of that right now at the World Cup where the tickets have all been pretty reasonably priced. And We've gone over 1.7 mil. Single stadium is chockers. How good. We love to see it. In football, there is so much happening. Good segue about the crowds. It's a glorious time to be alive and to be a part of this historic moment. There were tears last week on Wednesday night when Brazilian icon Marta played her last match for her country. What is her first name? She doesn't have one. I don't. She doesn't need one. No, Marta is her first name. She's just Marta. I feel like she is like, that's Marta is her name. Yeah, that's it. Amazing. She's like Ronaldo. She's just Marta. She is just Marta. That's how iconic she is. 
And Brazil made a pretty unexpected exit in the group stages, as a few other teams yeah, they went alone. have done. Jamaica have been one of the surprise packets of the tournament, especially given they had to set up their own GoFundMe account to even get to the World Cup. They played party record when they held Brazil to a nil-all draw, which saw the reggae girls progress and Brazil miss the finals for the first time since 1995. Marta is the most prolific goal scorer in women's World Cup history and is also the first player, man or woman, to score in five consecutive World Cups. Amazing. In a sixth World Cup, she was understandably heartbroken to be bundled out at that stage, but was buoyed by the growth of the game. Oof, are you ready for this? Are you going to breathe in? And Oh, I cried so much watching the video. I've so watched it a hundred times and I cry every time. It's beautiful. So I, I, I absolutely know zero Portuguese. <laughs> Zero. Did you try to read it? No. I had to read it. I actually remember seven years ago today you were winning gold medal. Holy moly, isn't that insane? Seven years ago. And I remember being in Rio, just dropping it. Some, uh, once when I was in Rio at the Olympics watching my friend win gold. And, yeah, Portuguese is rough. Like most other languages I've managed to kind of guess around. No Portuguese. No bueno. No bueno. <laughs> Definitely not Portuguese. It's not Portuguese. (laughs) Anyway, continue. The the Portuguese, if you haven't seen it yet, jump on our socials, watch Marta's speech. Mm. Just the the way she actually speaks about it too. It's quite beautiful. Anyway, I'm cutting into it. Go. (laughs) It's hard to talk at a time like this. Not even in my worst nightmares was it the World Cup I dreamed of, but it is only the beginning. The Brazilian people ask for renewal and there is renewal. The only old one is me. Most of them, her teammates, are young girls with enormous talent. It's just the beginning for them. I end here, but they continue. Beautiful. Marta for president. Honestly. Leading into the match, Marta spoke about the position of women's football and summed up how we are all feeling when she said, you know what's good? When I started here. She definitely did not give it the, you know what's good in a full Aussie accent, but I (laughs) wish she did. You know? (laughs) You guys know what's good? (laughs) When I started here, there were no idols in women's football. How could there be if you didn't show women's football? How could I understand that I would reach the national team and become a reference point? Now I go out on the street and people stop me. Parents say to me, my daughter adores you. She wants to be just like you. Thank you, Marta, for everything you have given the game and given to all of us. Absolutely. And another absolute football goat. Canada's Christine Sinclair is another legend to take her final bout after the group stages. Sinclair is football's greatest ever international goal scorer. She made her first World Cup appearance 20 years ago and when she stepped out to captain her country at this World Cup became the oldest player to do so at 40 years of age. She leaves the game as the greatest international goal scorer in history, currently sitting at 190 goals in 325 appearances. That's 67 more goals than Portugal's Cristiano Ronaldo who currently leads the men's category with 123. Amazing. And do we know if the internet has been corrected? We're getting to that story soon, but I think that stat should have been corrected. I think it has. After the 4-0 loss to the mighty Tillies, she reflected on the good and the bad of sport, saying, obviously it's hard, but win or lose, we do it together. From the ecstasy of two summers ago, winning gold at the Olympics to losing tonight, as painful as it is, it's part of sport and you have to be able to accept the losses the same way you accept the wins. But hopefully we've inspired some youngsters to pick up a soccer ball and chase their dreams. I still think it's the best job in the world, even if it makes you sad sometimes. Oh, 
That is really sad and very accurate. I'm honoured to have been part of the growth of the game from my first World Cup in 2003 when no one seemed to care to now. The fans, you can see the attention and the growth of the game. It's exciting. When my career is over, it'll be something I'll look back on and feel very proud of. Cool. Love that. So the knockout stages are here and they look quite different to what everyone was expecting pre-tournament. Missing out on the knockout rounds was second ranked Germany, seventh ranked Canada, eighth ranked Brazil, 14th ranked China and 16th ranked Italy. That was really hard to get my mouth around the th- into the <laughs> in their place. The amazing 72nd ranked Morocco, 54th ranked South Africa, 43rd ranked Jamaica and 40th ranked Nigeria. It is the first time three African nations have qualified for the round of 16. There are records being broken every time these women step out onto the pitch, and we love to see it. On Saturday, Japan defeated Norway 3-1, while Spain thumped Switzerland 5-1. Hinata Miyazawa was again outstanding for Japan, scoring her fifth goal of the tournament to take the lead in the Golden Boot competition. The Spain and Switzerland match was played in front of 43 1,217 fans in Auckland, a new record crowd for a football match in New Zealand. Sunday saw the Netherlands take on South Africa playing in their first round of 16 match at a World Cup at a jam-packed Sydney football stadium. The Dutch proved too strong for South Africa, running out 2-0 winners and securing securing, (laughs) securing a quarterfinal appearance against Spain. The second match on Sunday was between defending champs USA and world number three Sweden. Oh, my goodness. It was out of control. What a match. Well, the actual match itself was probably somewhat frustrating in a way. Yes. The US really dominated for 90 minutes, but the wall. The brick wall. AKA Sweden's keeper, Zakira Musovic, would not be broken. Like, literally. No, no holes in that wall. She made 11 saves and set a single-game record at the FIFA Women's World Cup for a goalkeeper that kept a clean sheet. The regular time finished at nil-nil, and after 30 minutes of extra time, it was still nil-nil. Mm-hmm. So frustrating. I, like, I, I did. I genuinely almost vomited the thought of going to penalty shootouts. Kirsty was like, this is like, can someone just score? Not a huge uh, soccer football fan <laughs> in her defense. She, and she was coming off the high of the Blues winning. And then it got to penalty shootout. Edge of her seat, cheering. I was like, well, oh, a bit of a change. You can't not be. <laughs> you can't. Very you true. You can't not be. So it was the first dreaded penalty shootout of the tournament and it had absolutely everything. 14 shots taken, five missed. US goalie Alyssa Nahir taking and converting a penalty. How good was her straight down the guts? It was, I was like, bold. I was also like, okay, US keepers had a shot. Wall, your turn. You have a shot now. Yeah, I wanted her to. I reckon that should be a rule. Yeah, I agree. One for one. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by The Athlete's Foot, proudly supporting women in sport since 1976. Start every game on the right foot with the right fit. Get fitted in store today or online at theathletesfoot.com for netball, football, running, and recovery. Now that's fit. Uh, US football gr- goat. Megan Rapino missing one. It was her first penalty miss since 2018. And what was quite uncomfortable, she's been slammed a lot on social media. I think about the fact that she was laughing, but I just was watching her and she just looked like she was a little bit in shock, a little bit mortified. Like there is so much pressure 
in I that think, moment. I think her reaction was one of disbelief. And yeah. I think that unless you're in that cauldron and on that stage, you're not quite sure how you'd react. And the, like I said, she literally hasn't missed a, a penalty in five years. Incredible. And to do one in the, on that stage, she was probably just overwhelmed and just couldn't, didn't know what to do. Yeah. I love the criticism from people who've never been in that arena. Oh, all it's right. all about the woman in the arena. Move on, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the GOAT missed one and in the end it was a 5-4 victory to Sweden after they had to go to a VAR to make sure the ball crossed a line. Like it was, it had everything. Wasn't it so bizarre? Like you kind of wanted them to like nail it into the back of the net for that celebration, but it still was, it still was an epic celebration once it was ruled a goal. It was, a al- ghoul. It was, it was almost like the ghoul had to be kind of... <laughs> It was almost like the ghoul had to be kind of weird because that the match was just had everything. Yeah, very true. So <laughs> the Sweden now move on to face Japan in the quarters. Japan and my dark horse. Quick chat around penalty shootouts, mm-hmm. thoughts, suggestions, even better ifs. I think that if you get done for doing something dangerous or bad that could land you in prison, the punishment instead should be to, sh- to shoot in a penalty shootout for your country. <laughs> I wow. I can't think of much worse, to be honest, than that pressure. Like it, it makes me feel sick. way more dramatic than I was thinking. I was, <laughs> I was suggesting maybe like drop off, drop-offs instead of. I do love a drop. A touch footy drop-off is iconic. Yeah, a drop-off instead of um, a shootout. Like just 90 minutes, take one off. 92 minutes, take another one off. That would be pretty cool if it got to one-on-one, wouldn't it? I suggest, but then where I does the goalie that, go? I suggested that last night and Kirsty was like, this match it would just be goalie on goalie by the end and they'd just be shooting it at each other. Yeah, <laughs> their own <laughs> box. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I mean, look, it's, it's amazing viewing, but gosh, you feel for the players afterwards, don't oh, you? Oh, yes. It is absolutely overwhelming, the pressure. Mm-hmm. And tonight, because we are recording on Monday, I'm so nervous already. Tillies v Denmark at in front of 75,000 amazing Australian fans. How good. I'm hoping that we get, like I would like you to record an update from the, from the stands at full time, maybe on video. Okay. Just get around it. Okay. I can do that for A you. live update from Chloe tonight, people. Well, right. t- last night. It's so confusing. Oh, that is confusing. <laughs> that's, that's hard to keep up. They did it. Can you believe it? The Tillies won the game 2-0 against Denmark. They are through to the quarterfinals. What a game. In some correcting the internet news, which we love to see, we've shared the amazing content before from the Correct the Internet group who launched a global initiative to correct the bias and help make sports women more visible. Last week, Google announced it has added 110 women's competitions in the past year. And the biggest part, I think, adjusted its algorithm to handle gender ambiguous language. The addition of competitions and adjustments they have made attempt to ensure that the latest scores, news, video clips, and live streaming information are clearly presented when requested without a male athlete bias. So we're talking about like, if you were to Google NRLW to see maybe who's playing this week and what the results were, it used to come up with did you mean NRL? Here are the results for NRL. Like mind blowing. So not even I don't even think a male bias. Like I think it almost would try and force you to look at the male yeah, results it just, instead. It was the default. Yeah, yeah. So Google said it had made the adjustments to drive visibility and coverage as part of a wider investment in gender equity in sports. 
Bex Wood, Director of Product Management, wrote in a blog post, most of the time our automated systems are able to tell what you're looking for by the words and context of your query. But there are other times with these more ambiguous queries when our systems are unable to tell which team, the men's or women's, or which specific person you're looking for. We have and are continuing to roll out updates to make the features we surface for gender ambiguous queries more inclusive. For example, making it easier to switch back and forth between men's and women's results for sports tournaments. I think that's the best way to address it, to almost have the little tabs at the top and you can go between both and access both in one click. Yeah, I think as an example, so she goes on to say that we're we're taking into account increasing searches around tournaments and other factors. And so that, that has to be something that the Women's World Cup's on right now. Last night, I literally put into my search bar um, Sweden goalkeeper and I got the male goalkeeper. Right. So, you know, obviously it's a work in progress, but mm. like I was like, where is the wall from? Mm. Um, amazing. Where is the wall from? She comes off the bench for Chelsea. Yeah, I know. Isn't that incredible? That also, and also- her parents were refugees from Bosnia. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. What a legend. She's iconic. Positive. Opposite to your story, I was watching, oh, when you guys were at the, what game did you go to in Adelaide? Uh, England-China. England-China. And Freezing, I, And I degrees. typed in score England-China, straight away came up with a FIFA Women's Cup result, top top of the page. So nice. I thought that was pretty cool to see. Nice. Did it tell you how cold I was? <laughs> no, it's not that good at oh. working out ambiguous Your friend is really cold. <laughs> Correct the internet, shared the news on their social channel saying it's fantastic to see search engines finally stepping up to help us correct the internet. Thanks to everyone who's helped us so far. We hope to see all search results around women's sport corrected soon. And so what they're saying, thanks to all the people that have helped. You can actually go onto the Correct the Internet website and you can manually go and tell Google, hey, this information is wrong. You need to fix it. And the more people that do it, the more it's going to help over time. Awesome. In para-swimming, the para-swimming world championships have wound up in Manchester with the Aussie team enjoying a superb meet. The Dolphins finished sixth in the medal count, which was the best result for the group in over 10 years. Love that. The Aussies will be bringing home. They'll be clinking on their way home. Nine gold, seven silver, and 14 bronze medals from Manchester. That's a lot of clinking. All the clinks. Italy going to clink a little more. They reign supreme, finishing the meet with 26 gold medals to finish top of the tally. I tried to clink. It was really underwhelming. Well, it's Keep ceramic going. versus metal. <laughs> Almost cracked my mug. Wowee. Uh, the meet was the first time Australian swimmer Alexa Leary wore the green and gold in the para team after an accident only two years ago that nearly claimed her life. I got deep into reading about this the other day. It's pretty intense. She, Leary was a 19 year old triathlete on a training ride two years ago when she clipped the wheel of a rider in front of her and came off her bike at around 70 kilometers per hour. Fast on a pushy. Really fast. The crash left her with broken ribs, a broken skull and scapula, a punctured lung, and a shattered leg. What followed was numerous life-saving surgeries in a period where her family were told to say goodbye to her on eight different occasions in wow. ICU. Wow. It was understandably a very long recovery, but Alexa was determined to win and whilst in the ICU told her family that she would go to the Paralympics one day. Oh, goodness me, that's good on her. So in Manchester last week, she powered to victory in the women's 100-metre freestyle S9 in one minute flat, 0.24 seconds, blitzing her competitors with the time just 0.04 seconds outside New Zealand great Sophie Pascoe's championship record in her first meet. That's really cool. Good on you, Alexa. Well done. In basketball, some WNBA history was made last week when Phoenix Mercury guard Diana Taurasi scored her 10,000th point 
That was another hard word to say. She's the first to pass that milestone and she did it at age 41 in front of her home fans in a Mercury victory where she scored, Bez. 42 points. Yeah, she did. The scoring machine said she kept playing for a number of reasons, including- This is so accurate. This is so accurate for all of you elite athletes out there listening to this. This is- Okay. This freaks. She's speaking about you. You personally, I'm looking at you, friend. Oh, dear. Go. (laughs) Obsession, addiction, all the things you try to stay away from, all the things that keep pulling me back to the game of basketball- I've always said I've given my life to this game and I still love to play. I still love to prepare. I still love to compete. That's what keeps me coming back. Tarassi has been the cornerstone of the Phoenix franchise since she was drafted first in 2004 out of UConn and has scored all 10,000 points wearing the Phoenix singlet. That is just the coolest thing, isn't it? Yeah, mad. She's won three WNBA championships for the Mercury and was twice the MVP of the finals. Her Mercury team haven't had the greatest first half of the season and don't look like qualifying for the finals this season. So we're petitioning for one more season from the GOAT. Well, I think she's actually – her contract that she signed is till 2025, but I think it was a, yeah, I'll sign it, but we'll see. Yeah, right, okay. Bit surely, of an option. Surely one more. Surely. In some cycling news, this is just another quick one for the No One Watches Women's Sports crew. <laughs> we love the passive-aggressive. Comments on here. 2023 Tour de France Femmes attracted a total viewership of nearly 20 million viewers on public service broadcaster France Televisions. So good. Did you like that French then? That was just beautiful, (laughs) similar to your Spanish earlier. Which was meant to be Portuguese. A peak viewership of 4.3 million was recorded during the seventh stage, which was, and this is the, sometimes you hear the numbers and you're like, oh, what does that mean? Mm. But that 4.3 million during the seventh stage was 34.6% of the audience share across France. So more than a third of everyone that had a telly on in France was watching the women cycling. That's huge. Sorry, I just – Click, I was thinking click about, were buzz. I think I was thinking about the bottom of my juice for a second. Yeah, it just took me a while. Did you get a lot of ginger in the bottom? Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Not as beautiful as the amount of people watching the tour though. And even better than that, in the Netherlands at the same stage, attracted a 42% audience share. That is absolutely huge. I think like the numbers are great, but when you actually drill down into how many, like what percentage of people were watching it, it is awesome and no one watches women's sport. (laughs) Said no one ever. (laughs) No one intelligent ever said that. Let's take a look at the key story. Wasserman is a global leader in sports, music, entertainment and culture, and they created a group called The Collective to create change in support of equity and fairness for women. It's a really, it's a really, really cool concept. Their aim is to raise the visibility and drive inclusion of women in sports, entertainment and culture by providing unique insights, strategies and ideas. And as part of this aim, they recently released a report showing how investment in women athletes can, one of, can be one of the best dollars spent. We love that. The research unfortunately did show that systemic gaps connected to revenue infrastructure and media coverage between male and female athletes resulted in males earning up to 24 times more in sponsorship and endorsement than female athletes, as well as 21 times more playing salary on average than women athletes. Despite these massive differences, Bez, in investment, the study found that women athletes drive twice as much fan engagement twice as much is a huge amount double that's right on social media driving outsized engagement through high quality interactions such as likes comments shares and clicks the data included 
a custom survey of 1,800 North American sports fans plus propriety financial data as well as publicly reported salaries across the 2022 playing year. And the collective noted that 90% of partnership dollars are directed to male athletes. 90%. 90% poor decision making. <laughs> Some of the most compelling findings included, you know, buzz me in on which one's your favourite here or they just all your favourite? Oh, I really like the 89% one. Okay, so I'll go first. Fans perceive women athletes as positive role models who are trustworthy, exemplify excellence and are inspirational. I really like this one that 89% of sports fans are more inspired to take social action when partners and or brands are associated with women athletes. Because they're trustworthy, exemplify excellence and are inspirational. Exactly. And I think this one's a really important one because we've started to see a real shift um, commercially from brands realising that they need to do more in the in the room of, of social change rather than just selling their ice creams or cars or whatever they're selling, right? Like they- they, there's a real push for aligning with something bigger. Perfect. Align with female athletes to continue pushing your cause for social change. Because 72% of women sports fans report being interested in athletes outside of their sport compared to only 45% of men's sports fans. Yeah, wow. So that provides opportunity for greater multidimensional engagement with female athletes. Like you said, it's not just here's me in my Audi. P.S. We'd love an Audi. <laughs> um, but it's... Here's me in my ethically sourced. Totally. You know, it's it's an electrical it's a, vehicle. Well, again, we'll have an electrical vehicle. <laughs> no, this is not a it's not a car pitch, but we would love a sponsor. <laughs> no, but like it is honestly that it's the whole story. I think, like you said, you can put sit Cristiano Ronaldo in a Ferrari, and everyone's like, "That's it, that's job done." Whereas yes. the female athlete, there's more of a story to it. Totally. Um, so a sample of two brand, brands found that when women athletes shared branded content directly from their personal channels, their post outperformed brand-owned channels by at least four times. Which is, again, huge numbers. Massive. And finally, female athletes are unlocking the next generation of powerful fans as their fan base is younger, more educated, more affluent, and outpacing on content engagement rates. Just more better. Just way more better. Let's take a look at what to watch. The final stop of the WSL Tour is in stunning Tahiti and the world's best surfers have one more chance to qualify for the final five. Aussies Tyler Wright and Molly Picklam are locked in with Steph Gilmore sitting at seventh and needing a big result to defend her world title from 2022. The waiting period starts on August 11th, which is Saturday, Aussie time. You can watch the action live on Foxtel, KO and the Seven Network. Oh, it's my favourite event. I hope it's Big Waves. The Youth Commonwealth Games began over the weekend. And they continue until Friday. You can watch all the action from Trinidad and Tobago live and free on the Commonwealth Games YouTube channel. Head to the Aussie Com Games website. They've got heaps of news and schedules there. It's great. Love it. On Friday, Angel City FC hosted some real superstars at their Equity Summit event, including Angel City co-founders Natalie Portman and Julie Ehrman, alongside FIFA Women's World Cup Australia COO Jane Fernandez. Head of Legacy for Football Australia, Sarah Walsh, and FIFA Secretary General Fatma Samura. Samura won quote of the day, Bez, when she said, it's important to have women in charge because when women are in charge, we deliver. Mic drop. Love that. So good. I was, I really wanted to go to the Equity Summit, but I was interstate for work and I'm pretty devastated because I'm a little bit obsessed with Angel City. But luckily there's a doco we can watch instead. The Angel City three-part docuseries that goes behind the scenes and onto the pitch of the groundbreaking Los Angeles-based team 
during the 2022 inaugural season is now available for Aussies to watch on Foxtel and Binge. Can't wait to watch that. Rip busy at the moment watching football in real real life. Very true. And the Women's Baseball World Cup we played in Canada between August 9th and 13th with the Emeralds. I like the Emeralds. So do I. Opening match against the USA on Wednesday morning at 5.30am AEST against the USA. Fans can watch all of the baseball action via the WBSC streaming service called Game Time. Game Time. Feels not good. Game Time. And that's the wrap. Make thank, it in, someone. Thank goodness. <laughs> Go the Tillies. Pre-order your book. Get around it. It's an amazing book. There's a kid's book. If you actually, weirdly, if you search Chloe Dalton as an author, two books come up. Insane. Mind On Booktopia. Blowing. It's insane. So anyway, get around it because it's definitely worth your 20 bucks or whatever it is it costs. Thank you so much. See you next week. Goodbye.